0: Vincent, now that he has the painting back, doesn't care one way or the other. However, from the company standpoint, well, it's not the kind of black eye that's good for you. Expense account total, including incidentals and transportation back to the States, $2,341. Remarks? Well, to Vincent Price, my eternal thanks. Not only for the help on this case, but most of all because it's given me a chance to really know him. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: The star will return in just a moment. Famous words of wisdom spoken by great men of thought never die, but are carried on through history by the people who feel them and love them. When Benjamin Franklin said, they that can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety, he was speaking for all men in all countries. In May 1945, when the 1st Marine Division was making an assault on Okinawa, Pharmacists' mate William D. Halliburton, Jr., serving with a marine rifle company, left his place of safety during a terrific counterattack by the enemy. In spite of the deadly accuracy of the concentrated fire around him, Halliburton unhesitatingly dashed across a draw and up a hill into an open bombarded field to render first aid to a fallen Marine. When his patient was struck a second time, Halliburton placed himself in the direct line of fire in order that he might shield his patient and continue to treat him. Though he could have sought safety until his company advanced and covered him, his first thought was for the wounded man. It was only when the slashing fury of the shrapnel and bullets mortally wounded him that Halliburton was unable to continue his duty. His unwavering code of conduct in the fight for liberty earned him his grateful country's highest award, the Medal of Honor. Now here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week the heart of sunny Southern Jersey, and a case
0: that took a very sudden, very strange twist. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote today's story. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Junius Matthews, Tony Barrett, Horace Lewis, Howard McNear, and of course, our special guest, Vincent Price. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking.
2: Here's the story of a lovely lady Who was bringing up three very lovely girls All of them
3: had hair of gold Like their mother, the youngest one in curls Here's the story of a man named Brady
4: Who was busy with three boys of his own They were four men living all together Yet they were all when
5: the lady met this fellow and they knew that it was much more than a hunt, that this group must somehow form a family
6: that's the way we all became the Brady Bunch the Brady Bunch the Brady Bunch that's the way we became the
7: Brady Bunch and you know that one Patricia? well again I would have- to be asleep not to know that
6: one. She is eight for eight tonight.
7: Well, you keep giving me the answers. Well, it doesn't matter, just want to know
6: if you know it. Yeah, well, Well, I do now. See, you know everything. 714-545-2071, if you want to talk to the smartest one in the whole wide world, (laughs) you 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 can give her a call. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. So how you be? Ready. How you be?
7: I be fine. That's
5: good. I've
7: got some Bob Bailey information. Now, last week I talked about Vincent Price. Bless his little heart. Yeah. He was so good. I really have always enjoyed Vincent Price, and he had a really um. Oh, I don't know. He had a lot of dimensions to his personality, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it.
6: He could be fun, he could be self faire He could be menacing. He he had, he was multi-dimensional.
7: He was multi-dimensional in his acting mm-hmm. and he was in his personal life as well. He was a gourmet cook. Yes. He loved um obviously he loved acting yes he loved acting in many different capacities
6: yes he loved the work
7: he was an art collector
6: Mm-hmm.
7: He was extremely well educated he was a yale person and and uh, took his degree in art history and fine art um he he just was a nifty guy you
5: know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
7: really was a nifty guy yeah and we had all of these little um uh, personal tidbits about him like he was superstitious Mm -hmm. and he made fun of himself but it was a very real thing Mm -hmm. he was a superstitious person there is virtually nothing about bob bailey except for his professional work and i I just you know it, it it didn't hurt my heart when i when i realized that it just made me sad that someone who made so many people so happy with such great performances kind of withered and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And he had no personality other than his his acting personalities. Right. He did let George do it. Yeah. He was George Valentine in Let George Do It. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he did that right up until 1954, from 46 to 54. And it was a a fun detective type thing. It started out almost as a a comedy, and eventually it evolved into an actual detective type Mm -hmm. story. And he did a really great job on that. In 1955, he went to Johnny Dollar, which was also an investigator type. Um, program, and he was just so good. He is the Johnny Dollar most people will identify as the person who embodied the role of Johnny Dollar, mm-hmm. and that's about all I have on him.
6: I have heard him on Lux Theater. I've heard him in Cavalcade of America.
7: Been all over the place. He did seven and, films, two and of I, them with... Um, um, Laurel and Hardy, and he was good in them. He was really good. He did a movie where he made uh, some appearances mm-hmm. with um, Burt Lancaster and Birdman of Alcatraz. Right,
6: famous movie.
7: He actually tried his hand at screenwriting, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's he's in bits and pieces of all of these things, but these are, are all professional credits.
6: Yeah, he just sort of disappeared after the radio days and...
7: Just disappeared. Yeah. He, he was not a candidate for the reprisal of Johnny Dollar when they wanted to do a television series. The description is he, he, he has a colorful voice. The way it was described in here, plans to bring Johnny Dollar to television were dropped when producers couldn't reconcile Bailey's colorful voice with his unimposing five foot 150-pound physique.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: I mean, he really he was just a skinny little runt, which didn't match his voice, it didn't match the character. It was another case of radio being able to take over the imagination and do all the right things for us when you envision this detective out doing his thing. And get, he just didn't make it.
6: So just think. Think how many careers were probably lost because radio
2: went away. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah.
7: So uh, he, he wound up in a nursing home. He had a stroke. He did have uh, a long bout with alcoholism, and he beat it. He, he reached sobriety mm-hmm. and wound up as a counselor for others going through recovery and uh, had I- a stroke, and he died in 1983 in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Now, you had a, a really touching Story about Spurvac making contact with him.
6: Spurvac is the old time radio group. Mm-hmm. Chris and who was Frank's archivist for many years, and is one of the founding p- persons who enjoys his work today because he found a lot of the recordings we enjoy. For example, he was the one Patricia that discovered all the, sh- the Sherlock Holmes, the Basil of Rathbone, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. So. Chris had a nose to find hard-to-find recordings and put them in circulation and things like that. And he went hunting around for Bob Bailey. And somehow he discovered he was living out in a nursing home way out in the boom docks in California. So he took the gasmans out there. He visited him and took the Gassmans out there. And eventually more people went. And I remember the time when they put in a little article that Bob Bailey... Uh, He was so pleased that he was being discovered. And the biggest thing they could do for him was to find large print reading books. And they would put that in the radiogram. If you have any large print reading books, can you send it to us? We'll make sure Bob gets it. So the last year or so of his life, Spurvac sort of tried to be there for him until he passed away.
7: I think the nicest part about that... Is that he knew people, knew his work. Yes. He did his work, and his work was still.
6: If I remember, they got birth-
7: and being played. They got
6: birthday cakes for him and things like that. They would. Uh, that
7: was really nice. Yeah. It's so sad to think about how many old-time radio performers died without knowing they had a whole new generation of audiences coming up.
6: Well, I think a lot of them lived in the shadow. There's a famous story about Polly Bear. Polly Bear, who was Chester and Gunsmoke, one of the most famous character actors of time, um, in the movies and radio, and Ozzie and Harriet, with uh, beloved here in California. When he went back in the early 80s, he went back to FOTR, New Jersey. And Lee Six, who's an Arthur Godfrey fan picked him up at the airport and they were sat on a night when the bank was coming they brought Polly Berry in and he heard this this pause and he told saw all these people standing up and he wanted to know why. And they said it's for you Polly And he was just amazed. He had tears running that people would love his work. That he would done over twenty years ago. And
7: And he just didn't know.
6: He just didn't know. He was still an active character actor, the voice of the uh, the elf for the uh, keyboard cookies and things like that. Uh-huh. But people loved him for the radio work. And he remained loyal to the, all the old-time radio conventions all over the country, going to them to perform. And being. And he was such a wonderful cut-up. Oh, my gosh. Just a terrific cut-up. Great storyteller. You ever heard of Ray Bream interviews or different things? Well, will the John Dunning stuff. And... Just, just a, uh, a wonderful human being. And, uh, but, you know, people like that, Polly Bears and the Bob Baileys, the, the people loved him the radio, they, they, they would not recognize him in other forms of media. Yeah. You know?
7: It's really sad that so much wonderful talent couldn't cross over to a new medium. And for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's not just television didn't want them. It wasn't that kind of a case. But, for example, with Bob Bailey, Mm -hmm. his physical characteristics and features did not match what television needed. Mm -hmm. His voice was fine. His acting was wonderful. His physical appearance did not match what they needed on television. Fortunately, it matched fine with some of the movies that he did, especially in the most unlikely place with the two Laurel and Hardy movies. And he was so good in them. He really was very good. He was a good actor. But I picked up something along the way with my hunt looking for some Bob Bailey information. Mm -hmm. I pulled up some information about Let George Do It, which was the first detective series he did before Johnny Dollar. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, actually, it just led right into Johnny Dollar. Francis Robinson played Brooksy, Claire Brooks, his sidekick. And later, Lillian Bios played Brooksy. Right. And later, Virginia Gregg played Brooksy.
6: My, Francis was a friend of my great uh, aunt. Uh, she won my great aunt.
7: Would you uh, start that over again? F-
6: for the first one to play Brooksy? Yeah. Was a good friend of my aunt. My oh, great really? aunt. My, yes, Frances Robinson. You would hear her in a lot of Luxrail theater in the mid 40s. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My great aunt, uh, she moved to work in the war plants in California and somehow hooked up with Frances and they became very good friends. How neat. Yeah.
7: Well, I knew about Francis Robinson, yeah. knew about Lillian Byer, knew people, about Virginia Gregg, right. and they all did such a great job, it was seamless, you, you just yeah. didn't skip a beat.
6: Lillian Byers from for one more,
7: performer to another.
6: Lillian Byers, more people know her through Gunsmoke, well, the CBS doc company. okay.
7: Uh-huh, there's a PS in here. Yes. I did not know it, but Shirley Mitchell is listed <laughs> as having played Rooksy, is that possible?
6: No, it's possible. <laughs>
7: to everything. I did not know that. I don't recall ever hearing her name and then let George
6: Yeah, that something? Hello there. You're on the air.
7: Well, I enjoyed the Brady Bunch.
6: You did? You recognize that music?
8: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Brady Bunch.
6: The Brady Bunch. You know, Patricia, you know, she claims she doesn't watch TV, and so far she knows all the songs tonight. Just oh, been
7: embarrassed, a... <laughs> He's Just so self-righteous, so I don't watch a lot of television. And he's knocking off these these things. I say, wait a minute, I heard that yesterday. <laughs> wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I knew so many of them. How are you? I'm fine. Are you fine? Did, did you get your
8: mail yesterday?
7: I did not go to the mailbox yesterday. Shame on me.
6: It's too big of a walk. He had to kick her pony out to get down there.
7: Oh, no, I've been doing pretty well, but I didn't get there. Oh, okay. Oh, shame on me. Oh, well, you take this because I'm sure there's a, a little package waiting for you. Oh, you're so good to me. <laughs> I have a question for you. There's <laughs> nothing in this. One. Say what? There's nothing in the package. He's saying. No, I'm I'm having a little trouble hearing Ron tonight. There's nothing in the package. It's just got something with my name on it. Yeah.
8: There a
7: package. You're so creative. I know. <laughs> but there's a nice ribbon around the package.
6: So when you go to Safeway or whatever, you know, yeah, it's you always have a message. So anyway, that a was good. I, I thought the interview. Ron, can you call back? We're having a hard time with your cell
7: phone. Well, you
6: know, I'll call back in about 10 minutes.
7: Okay. Okay. Give us a call back. All right. you?
6: There we go. It my like Ron's cell phone dropping out on us.
7: Yeah, I, and once in a while it's me having the problems, but I guess it was both of us. It really mm-hmm. was his phone. Yeah. So, But anyway, I just I just thought that was an absolute hoot, that there was Shirley Mitchell yeah. and on the list.
6: The one who was Shirley. Making
7: that I wonder if she was an occasional fill-in. Could have been.
6: It usually could have been.
7: Well, I, I haven't listened to all of the Let George Do It, but well, I've listened to a lot of them.
6: I always associate Virginia Gregg, mostly, but Virginia
7: Gregg, yeah. yes. Um, and Lillian Bioff, I mm-hmm. know about that one. Frances Robinson, I've heard her. Yeah. Um, but by golly, when I saw Shirley Mitchell's name there, I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> stop Mollett, <my one. laughs> stop <laughs> by She was just so good that she could have pulled it off and not... Not even let anybody know that she was there. That true. I mean, she was really good. She could pick up and reproduce. I guess she still can.
5: Oh, yeah. Um,
7: reproduce people's voices.
5: Yeah. He really can. mimic
7: them 100%, but do it successfully enough that it, it was a seamless transition here. Yep. So next time we talk to her, we'll have to ask her about, let George do it.
6: You bet. We'll I ask her about that. I can been, do that. Sure. Okay. I've been talking to her this week. We're getting her getting her airplane set for Seattle.
7: Oh, good. She is going. Oh, up. yeah.
6: She's going. Oh, bless go. her
7: heart. not know we're, me from Adam's house. Cat, tell her hello for me. We will. Anyway. Well,
6: we're, we're trying to pull off a whole Sunday tribute to her career. So we're looking for videos and things of her appearances on different TV shows and uh-huh. just trying to pull it all off. Get the uh, tip of the hat to. Oh, Shirley. Who started the radio when she was 13 years old on the Lone Ranger just by walking in the studio and saying, Can I be, can I go on the show? Let's
7: hopped on a bus. <laughs> Her mom didn't
6: know. No, hopped on a bus from Toledo, Ohio.
7: She was. Then
6: go to Detroit, Michigan.
7: And it wasn't like she was running away from home. She no. was going to go back home. Yep. It, it going. a day trip. Mm-hmm. She would just wanted to show up and say, I'm ready to act.
6: Yep. Here I am.
7: And look what happened.
6: Yep, guy on the show.
7: Ignorance really is bliss. Oh, yeah. It really is bliss. It's such a, a, a hackneyed expression, but sometimes when you don't know what's supposed to happen, you do it right mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. You just do it right. Yeah. Okay, well, I have a brain teaser for Walden. Are we ready?
5: We're ready.
7: Okay. We're at summer camp with the Boy Scouts. hmm And we've got a campfire. Yeah. And it's all dark and midnight. Mm-hmm. And they're telling stories. Yes. And Mark says, I've got some magic stuff. I said, what have you got? He said, I can make a prediction that in exactly one week, it will not be sunny. And he was right. That's true. How could he be right?
6: Because it was midnight. At the time was exactly you one week.
7: Should. I it was I thought you would get so hung up on the <laughs> on the weather. You know, because sometimes you get you have linear thinking, you know? I mean it's logical linear thinking. You go from point A to point mm-hmm. B and if nothing is at point B, you just want to see point C. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get you on that one. Oh dear. You were very good. Oh,
6: oh dear.
7: <laughs> you were very good. Did I
6: get you on the Richard Crenner one too?
7: You did? Oh, you blew me away. Oh, I God. did not think you would know that. You are so good. Boy, who would, who, how many people know Richard Crenna's first show at age 11?
6: I have no idea. But, one, you know...
7: One person.
6: You know, he tried out for Henry Aldrich and didn't get it.
7: I do remember yeah. that.
6: Yeah, he, he was going against Dickie's... He
7: was voice for it.
6: He, yeah. He went against Dickie Jones, who got the role, when Ezra Stone went off to war. And I was sure love to get Dickie Jones on. He did a lot of westerns for Virginia Autry. He was Tree. He was Pinocchio. He was the voice of Pinocchio in the movies.
7: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. What fun. Yeah. Well, that really surprises me about Richard Crenna. Is, is it possible that his voice was too recognizable after having done Oogie and...
6: No, okay, uh, it was all before then.
7: It was before then? Yeah.
6: Yeah. Good. That's last one he got Oogie but pretty quick, right after that or so. Well,
7: when did Ezra Stone leave the show?
6: I think around 42, 43. And I think a date with Judy really got hot around 43, 44. So probably when he didn't get Ezra Stone, uh, Henry Aldrich, he quickly got Oogie.
7: And then he went to our Miss Brooks, of course. I didn't realize that, um... Henry was that late.
6: Mhm. Yeah, yeah you know? think about it. Oogie Penguin. Yeah, he was in there three, 43, 43, 44, and then the armist book didn't happen until five years later. So, what do you think was about? With the same voice? Yeah.
7: It's, you know, it's really amazing <laughs> with the the young men mm-hmm. or the boys growing into young men. You worry about mm-hmm. their voices changing. Mm-hmm. It's never changed. No. Well, I say his never said Obviously, his voice had to have changed, mm-hmm. but his character voice—he was able to reproduce no matter how old he got. Oh, MacBuch!
6: Yeah, yeah, he got, he had it good.
7: He <laughs> 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 uh, was good. They <laughs> were they were great characters. That was good. Walter Denton from. I'm sorry, Walden and I are having conversations yeah. here. It, it, Walter Denton, Richard Crenna mm-hmm. was Walter Denton in Our Miss Brooks. Mm-hmm. And Walden knew which show he started in when he was 11 years old. 11 years old, he went from the playground to a show for 25 cents a week, and you knew that? <laughs> How did you know that?
6: Just guess we it from my head hearing him tell it on a Frank Busey's well, Golden Days of Radio.
7: Well, I'm going to resign. You're going to have to find somebody else to come out. And I play cannot,
6: l- I, Patricia. What? I cannot live without you. Yes,
7: you,
5: you can. No. Yes, you can. No.
6: We have a lifetime contract together. We, we we're gonna be together. So we're just gonna have to put up with the incongruities of, of our of our life here. You know.
7: Okay. You know. Okay.
6: Okay, but you know, if you dump me for a bull chocolate I understand. But you know.
7: I would do an awful lot for a bowl
6: of chocolate, but I don't <laughs> think I would dump you. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We love chocolate. We'll wait for Ron to call in. Anyway, we're going to do it. I might not share my chocolate, but. That's okay. I would like to have
7: my chocolate. That's I okay. would
6: share it. You like I, chocolate. I know. I, would share it I know. I know. But, you know, I think I would probably want a little more ice cream. I think more of the ice cream would give you more of the hot fudge. I love hot fudge, but it's almost like. Some of us so rich, uh-huh. a lot of it goes a long way.
7: Uh huh. You're right.
6: But I do love, I do like hot fudge.
7: I, I, would like to have the liberty of saying no, thank you. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, if I don't have anything at all, then I can't say no, thank you.
6: Well, I would love to give. I would love to get you have the opportunity to say no, thank you. <laughs> do you
7: I, think I would? I would
6: love to. I would love to ha- say that you had it all the time that you just were...
7: It didn't yes, sir, matter. Do you think I would say no thank you to a bowl of hot fudge? No, not really, no. No, not really. No no. I, no, I, no,
6: no. I know you well enough by now that I don't think so. That's just not your personality. No,
7: no, 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 no. It's not. It's no, not. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. What do you got? Where did... This relates to history, so maybe you've got it. Where did the expression going off half cocked come from?
6: I have no idea, but let me think. Uh, is it something to do with chickens? No. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
7: no, it doesn't have anything to do with chickens. And there's no bell on it. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Oh, deliver me. We need to finish up early tonight. No, it does not have to do with chickens. Or rooster. Well, how do you know?
5: I
6: tell good to me. Half-cocked?
7: No, 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 no. Half-cocked. Going off half-cocked. If, if I say, look at this, he's going off half-cocked, what what does the, the expression mean?
6: I tell has chicken thing to me.
7: Well, then. <laughs> you know better. Very <laughs> smart. I know you know this. If I tell you somebody went off half-cocked, what what would...
6: Well, really, I always, as a little boy, I always thought about chicken, but I guess it's something to do with a gun.
7: Well, it does have something to do with the gun. Yeah. The expression going off half cocked means acting hastily or, mm. you know, not being careful. Okay. But it does come from the flintlock. The flintlock rifles apparently had two settings you mm-hmm. could cock it mm-hmm. and fire it, or you could half cock it and be ready to fire it, mm. but if you banged it, it would discharge. It, it, it was able to, you know, if the if the catch wasn't exactly right, it could discharge even though it was only half cocked. It was not in the full cocked position. Wow, interesting. So if you went off with your gun only half cocked, you might shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was not the right thing to do. Mm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I hope Dennis is proud of me. Yeah, I know,
6: Patricia going to school.
7: I know. I have to go to Southern School, I have mm-hmm. to go to Expression School, I have to go to Trivia School. You know, I thought if when you, figured you when
6: you graduated from college, you figured that was probably it. I didn't
7: think it was it, but I sure didn't think it was this.
6: <laughs> you didn't think you would have a whole career being being going back to school to do a radio show every week.
7: Uh, yeah, to do Southern and stuff like that there. Yeah,
6: you didn't have that in your you got to con.
7: No. <laughs> I didn't
6: have that either. Oh, 714. Are going
7: to talk about and tell us about your Pacific...
6: Oh, that's right. Uh, See, Friday, I went to the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters' function, and I'm now a member. I have 20 years in the the business as a researcher slash producer, so they let me in. Can't believe it, but... um, and, so Frank proceeds with my sponsor, so, and Frank being a past president, and so he got me in, this is the professional organization where, um, you have either 20 years in radio or 25 years in TV, uh, you can become a member, and this is, uh, they since 1966 have preserved a lot of radio history from the transcription to the artifacts. And, uh, a lot of famous collections are there. And they're trying to preserve the history of it. And it used to be six times a year, but down to five, to have a luncheon where to honor somebody in the industry. And so I went and I saw eight of our friends. And one of them, Patricia, was Eddie Carroll's wife, Carolyn Carroll, came over and oh, brought,
7: nice. yeah, brought her,
6: do- her sister over, Gloria. Uh-huh. So I got to see Gloria, and then Michael Casey is a member, so Michael came over, and I saw Jim Harmon's widow. Jim Harmon was one of the one of the disc jockeys on the station and a broadcaster, and uh, uh, Tommy Cook was working the room, so he came over to talk to me a couple times, and they had a full house. Uh how many was, is a full house? Well, I don't know, but it was over at the Sportsman's Lodge. Remember where we had the mm-hmm. furback lunch, they had it there.
7: That's a pretty sizable place, is That's right? a big room, the, yeah.
6: They said it was an yeah. overflowing crowd. So I would say several hundred for sure. And they were honoring Jack Jones, the senior of Jack Jones, from the fifties through the uh, up to today, who had a big hit Wines and Roses, his dad was a senior and showboat, the movie Showboat and Donkey Serenade, Alan Jones and uh, probably the only combination where the father and son both have millions selling in record. And they decided to honor Jack. And so on the death the people who slew him uh, were Norm Crosby and uh, Joanne Worley was a surprise speaker and let's see just dick jockeys you know famous local dick jockeys like johnny madness who you hear across the country and Gary Owens and Southcock who are well-known dick jockeys in the area and comedians. Jonathan Winters was going to be at there but he woke up not feeling strong strong enough with his legs to walk come over so he sent a note And Pat Boone and they honored uh, Jack with videos and music and guys telling stories and telling funny jokes, and Norman Crosby stole the show. He told a joke, Patricia.
7: (laughs) Ruh-roh. Yep, alright. Ruh-roh.
6: This was his closing joke. He said, you know, there was a frog that went to the bank. I think we're in trouble already. Yeah, yeah, so a frog went to the bank, and he, he jumped up on the, onto the counter, and he was asking, and the teller, and he said, and the frog said, I want a loan. And the, uh, the teller said, well, in order to have a loan, you need collateral. And the frog said, what's collateral? And the teller said, well, something valuable that you, po- hold, you know, hold up as uh, collateral to get a loan. Well, the frog says, well, I have a humping smog. What's a humping smog? That's what the telephone was wondering. He said, he didn't ask. So he went in to the uh, boss. And, you know, and all these comedians use great facial expressions to tell these jokes. So he went in to ask his boss. You know, this frog, he asked. What's wrong? Alone. Hello? What's it collateral? A humping smog? <laughs> and and the soul said, I didn't want to ask the frog what a humping smog was. And the and the and the boss said, You don't know what a humping smog? No. Well, it's a knickknap, Patty Wat, give the frog alone. And I said Norman Crosby close it up. And just the way he does it with his facial expressions it made it funny, you know. Just clean Fun humor,
7: fun stuff. Fun
6: stuff that the comedian could pull off with the telling old jokes with facial expressions and things like that. So now
7: you said Gary Owens and Joanne Worley were there. Mm-hmm. Did well, they get together?
6: Yeah, they were both up. And they, they were speakers on the desk. Uh-huh.
7: So they had time together. They worked together yes, on laughing. That's right.
6: And so, this is the excuse, for they, they get together for one hour before, or an hour to, for people just get to socialize. It's an excuse for the whole industry, old show business, to get together and get, catch up with each other.
7: That is really nice.
6: Yeah.
7: Really nice. So, this is quite an honor to be inducted. What kind of an induction ceremony?
6: Mm, they just call me up and send me a membership card and voila! I'm
7: in. And said, "Go home now."
6: No, yeah. my, my name will be in the, it will be in the newsletter, so that, that's, that's all. That's nice. Yeah.
7: Were there others?
6: Oh, uh, yeah, there was look like three or four others in the last couple of months at of 550 membership, and so.
7: But you were the only newbie that day.
6: I don't know. There probably were some other newbies, but I, I don't know. But they did a really nice thing, Patricia. Um. They had everybody's name listed on a master chart mm-hmm. alphabetically, mm-hmm. and they had seated what table. So if you want to look see if your friend was there, or you can look or somebody you wanted to see, you could see look for their name and see where it, and then you could go to them.
7: And you know exactly where they uh-huh. were. Uh huh. What a nice feature. Yeah,
6: boy, uh, that's a nice way to do it.
7: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's
6: a nice, nice way, and they and they had two video screens going you remember the stage where we had the actors do the Jack Benny show? They had a video screen on both sides. So when they were showing videos, they had them both running at the same time.
7: Both of them? Yeah. No sound.
6: Oh yeah, plenty of sound. I was surprised, this, this time they didn't have the best sound. Normally, uh, the other time I went, a few years ago, when Jack, when Frank got his Diamond Circle Award, um, it used great sound for Shirley Berman. But, uh, they were having a little sound trouble this, uh, this time around, which was a little sad, but that's okay.
7: Yeah, two soundtracks going at the same time? No,
6: it was just, the sound system was, it, it, the same sound system was up and running in the same video, but you could hear it.
7: Oh, oh okay, when you said two screens and a video on each screen, yeah. I'm thinking, my gosh, I mean, that, that's that's the kind of stuff that would make you fall over.
6: <laughs> you no, know, but it would be the same picture on both screens.
7: Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. What, what kind of videos
6: were they running? Just uh, highlights of Jack seeing careers in different concerts. Oh, how
7: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you said father and son. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's
6: who? Well, Jack Jones is the son, and his dad was Alan Jones of the 30s and 40s. His dad was a singer in movies, and his mom was a, was a movie actress of the 30s. Wow. And so his dad had a hit song in 1930 called, Donkey Serenade. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, as you pop it up, you can see Donkey Serenade, sung by Alan Jones.
5: Well, I'll believe you. And he
6: was the star of the film, in 36, of Showboat. Okay. When they first did it. But, you know, most people know the ones in the 50s, which Ava Gardner and Catherine Grayson. But they did it 17 years earlier, with Irene Down and Jack Jones, I mean, Alan Jones. So, so that was it then.
7: You had a busy day.
6: Had a busy day. We did a show. Drove all the way out there, drove all the way home, and.
7: Now you mentioned Carolyn Carroll. Yeah. And I think folks will remember you're talking about Eddie Carroll right. who died about a year and a half, year and a half ago. One year ago. One year. Seems like forever. Yeah, I know. I
6: think a year ago last April, so about 13 months or so.
7: Okay, so we're moving moving yeah. past that mm-hmm. and eddie was the quintessential replacement for jack benny right if you watched him and mm-hmm. listened to him you would swear you were listening to jack benny and he was also <laughs> and uh eddie died about a year ago and mm-hmm. his wife was there and that's the one uh Malden was referring to
8: that's right hello there you're on the air okay now i'm on my regular phone
6: there gotcha, go. I think I you should, who this is. Yeah, I think you should hang up and call on the other one.
8: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing about cell phones, it, it has its good points, but it sure has some problems with drop-offs. And well, normally your
6: cell phone's been really good. At that time, it was just a bad... I don't know. A bad, I don't but normally when you call, we always get you really good, but that time, it, it was get dropping out.
8: Yeah, I just don't know. Hey, listen, I'm talking about Jack Jones and Alan Jones. Yeah. Jack Jones had some great hits like Roses and Lollipop and Wine and Lovers. I mean, he really sang some nice songs.
6: He is still working today.
8: Yeah, and he has a real. And Alan Jones is no fluke either. He was, in his time and day, he was very good. That's right. And then Donkey Serenade, he had a lot of mileage on that song. That's true. Really, they, they played it a lot. That's true. And all the donkeys showed up, too. and
7: <laughs> <laughs> Walking around with the pony?
8: There you go. You ever rode a, ever rode a mule or a donkey? I never
7: um, rode a mule or a donkey.
8: Yeah, you know, seriously, you know, in these amusement parks, some of them, they had these mules to ride on. And
5: really?
8: Yeah, oh, I actually rode <laughs> one. And then um, on the island of Molokai, they have a trail to go to the... Well, they don't have... See, at one time, um, Father Damon found a leprosy colony in, in Kalapapa, Moloka'i.
7: Right, I remember that.
8: Yeah, and all the leprosy patients lived over there. And, and whenever they had, some of them got intermarried yeah, with each other. And the only problem is whenever they had their children, their babies were taken right away, away from the mother because they didn't want the babies to come contact from leprosy but the beautiful part of the leprosy colony was even after they had a cure meaning you know they had a way of um uh, you curing leprosy meaning it wasn't contagious anymore the problem was they liked living there that they wouldn't move back you know
7: i remember reading that
8: yeah but slowly now there's i think Was maybe two people left left over there or something? Because finally they all moved back to you know different islands. Yeah. Yeah, and and to get there you had to ride a private plane, and you had to sign in and make sure that. um, when you ate the food, you know your plate and everything was different from what they eat from and stuff. it's, very uh, clean over there. It's
6: you remember, you remember the uh, game show host, the comedian Walter O'Keefe, Ron. He had Double Nothing, and he was the uh, famous comedian who uh, he, who had the date. He went and visited, and that changed his life to see people in that situation, and uh, he really decided to really uh, donate a lot of the rest of his life just to help people like that. And you, you would think it would be an impacting experience to see that.
8: It was. Yeah. I, I performed. I did a couple of performances over there. Wrote a private plane and um, landed at the airport over there. And then we put on a couple of shows with um, different singers and stuff. And the people there are so friendly, so nice. And, you know, um, they, they live a very interesting life. And they have, they have a store and they have all kinds of stuff that they buy from, that's shipped over to there um colony or island or whatever it was really nice a very good experience going over there how are you well last time i talked to myself i was doing great
7: i'm glad did yourself answer you
8: yeah and then some people thought that i shouldn't do that anymore so i stopped
7: oh you what's wrong that- with you
8: ron are you talking to yourself yeah, because whenever I talk to myself I agree.
7: I'm I'm friendly.
8: Yeah. And I got no disagreement.
7: Nobody And confused. I'm the
8: boss and everything else. Yeah.
7: I, yeah. I don't argue with me either.
8: That's right. Yeah. Oh, I, I in the mail you got GI Journal. You ever heard of G I Journal?
7: I'm stretching my brain. I do believe I have heard of it, but I've never seen
8: it. Yeah, generally just like command performances, right, right, Walden. You
6: right on the money, Ron. It was a it was a variety show. A variety show. Especially, oh, cool. no, especially, I heard be, it. especially really featured the end of Mel Blank doing his sad sack routine.
8: And they the, would write in peep the servicemen would write in what they wanted to hear and stuff like that. Yeah. It was a very good show. Very good variety show.
6: Command Performance was an interesting show. It based upon the servicemen requests. So, for example, if they wanted to hear something unusual, like, for example, they wrote in they wanted Lana Turner to cook a piece of steak all over the air, she would do
8: it. Mm-hmm. Very interesting show. Yeah. And then, I also sent you, uh, Some other (laughs) things.
7: I can't remember.
8: (laughs) I can't remember.
7: Stuff like that there. I have a request.
8: You have a request? Uh Uh-oh.
7: Request. And it's for somebody else. John, who is in Maryland last week, asked me if I could find Hit Parade for him. Your Hit Parade?
8: You know what? I've uh, walled it. Yeah. Are there a lot of circulation Hit Parade circulated around
6: there are 200 of them out there well they're
7: not circulating nobody's
6: hmm. got
7: them hmm. do you have any I,
6: I got plenty of them but uh
7: you have them
6: i yeah i got plenty of them but they're all
8: on cassette it, it, it'll okay. it'll
6: cds i just gotta figure a way eventually how to get them shared out there and load them up
8: who did you who did you
6: Where you should pay $12 an hour. I would buy some. Would have my, $12
8: an hour? Oh, yeah.
6: Back in the 70s and 80s, yeah. Oh.
8: Oh, yeah.
5: $6 a show.
6: Yeah. What it was worth it. Because uh, J.D. Golden had them. Had him, she would, you know, if you want something, you pay for it. And so I'd buy them. Um, and then uh, Spurvex had them. You know, you could rent. And then... Uh, there were specialty guys in the in the hobby that uh, were kind of up in Redmond that he would have a catalog and a lot of it would be music.
8: Um, and Bob uh, Bro has uh, um, told me about this guy uh, that he does another show with, uh, oh, what's his name? You talk to me, he lives in California also.
7: Gary Hanegas?
6: Gary Hanegas and Don Ashton, both of those guys have the bigger collection. And uh, if, you, if you go to Crab Apple Sound, their website, they got a ton of your hip parades. Crab Apple? Yeah, Crab Apple Sound. Okay. And so, they're out there, but the best sounding I, right now, I would say, go to Jerry guess would be having the best sound. But uh, I have quite a few, I mean, especially because I know a lot of singers. Um, I'd have to get them for them. Like, you know, I, I worked for the Sinatra family, so Frank did a lot of them. So I would get my hands on them for them. And I knew Bill Davis, who same was Sinatra, and so I've had a reason to go looking for them.
8: Yeah, so you remember I so long for wow. a while. It's the song. So long to your hip parade. Yep. And the tools that you picked to be played or something. <laughs> they always ended up with that song. Oh right? yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah, I mean I knew G- I knew Giselle McKenzie and
8: There you
6: go. Russell Arm is the last one of the T V shows. She's still with us and uh B Wayne is still with us from the radio days, so It
8: wasn't Giselle McKenzie that played violin. Yes. She had
6: yeah, per- she, she had perfect pitch. And one time when Jack Benny was in London, no, yeah, he was in London, but Giselle was in New York. He called Giselle long distance, and she said, Giselle, yes, Jack, can you hit an A? Can I hit an A? She sent an A, and he hung up, and she lost it. She called Jack, Jack, why? Do you want me... And he said, well, it would get cheaper for me to call you. That way I could tune my violin and get a uh, a tuner in here.
7: Sounds good to me. Yeah.
8: (laughs) But Giselle McKenzie. um, Oh,
6: there you go. McKenzie and Joe Stafford are two of the singers I know that have perfect pitch. And
8: Kate. But she made an album with her husband. Yes. Where she
7: sang flat.
8: Yep. Oh, it was sharp or flat. Well, it was funny.
6: Jonathan and Darlene Edwards. There you go. Many of them.
7: Kate Smith was the third who had perfect
6: Perfect pitch. Wow.
7: Remarkable lady. Um, The the sad news is Crab Apple Sound has been closed since last February. No kidding. No kidding. Wow.
6: Well, if you go to Jerry Hennigas' site, uh, -site otrsite.com, you know what I bet, Patricia? What? Drop a note to Larry, Gasman.
7: Yeah.
6: And he'll put them up for you to download.
7: No
8: joke? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Write it down, Patricia. <laughs> well, I'm going to
6: help him. I'm going to help Patricia. That way we can get a few We can get a few up there. So, actually, could you I help? Write
8: it down, Patricia. Whatever he told you.
7: Oh, yeah. I can do that.
6: Yeah. So, drop Larry you know See if he, if he can help you find some, your, and he'll have access to them.
8: You know what, you know what, I finally bought myself, Walden. Uh.
6: You bought, paid it,
8: $102. It, bucks.
6: You bought a car?
8: No, no to, buy, to buy a money change, you know currency? Yes. You slip the currency in the thing and it tells you what the bill is, 520 Ah, uh, how cool. Did you, you know,
6: did you ever have friends, and I never did this, and I think it's crazy to do this. Blind could they could tell you the diff, what different dollar bills were by the taste of the ink.
7: The taste of the ink? Yes. <coughs> I think so. No. Yeah,
6: yeah. And actually I knew a guy that could do it.
8: he you serious?
6: Yes. I mean, you, you, to me, you, you're, you're playing with dynamite considering virtually how much grams of cocaine are on dollar bills all over the world.
8: Oh really? I better start licking I'm my tongue. It's
5: some germs. Yeah. Blech.
6: Yeah.
8: Right, it's not too healthy.
6: No. But, both ways, you can tell the different by the taste of the ink.
8: Yeah, but did you buy yourself a currency, uh, thingy? Uh-uh,
6: <laughs> no, not, not yet. I just, it's like a scanner kind of thing, you just stick it in, and it'll just, and you, like no, a stick. No, no, no,
8: one A battery and a triple A battery, and you just stick the money inside, and it'll, you press a button, it'll tell you five, ten, mm-hmm. twenty. I I tried a two-dollar bill just out of curiosity.
6: Yep. How'd they it do? Yeah,
8: it did that too.
6: I heard of a guy, a blind person, who ran a cash register, and I asked him why was he I would be afraid of somebody short-changing him. He said, "No, when somebody handed him handed me a dollar bill, I gave him the lowest denomination possible. So if they squawked about it, then I knew I gave I then I figured I was okay. I get would make corrections then.
8: Yeah. Hey." <laughs> that was very smart uh-huh. yeah that was very good well uh, what's on the agenda for tomorrow night
6: right at the top of the show I have a friend of mine Dave Siegel who's written a, b- a book about r- interviews okay. radio interviews we talked for the top of the show about his latest book about it with Bear Man and all the famous people he interviewed and what a lot of the interviews are we'll play uh, we'll see you after Dr. Mike and then We'll feature another Ray-Bling interview, haven't decided which one yet. And we'll get, put stuff together as we go. So,
8: yeah, put we'll
6: together see. things while you go, Ash. Uh-huh. Pretty cool, you know. I thought it was fun to rerun the Joe Stafford, and Paul, this time I got a chance to play the all three hours, so that's what we heard last, last Sunday Ray-Bling. Yeah. Joe Stafford is really cool. Oh,
8: yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah.
8: And Patricia, I enjoyed your, well, I got to hear part of the interview. Uh, was it Walkins What was it? Uh, Walkins Mountain? That was really good. That lady was very upfront and, you know, straightforward. And, you know, she didn't hold back anything. That was really nice.
7: No, she was she was just a delightful person to talk with.
8: Yeah, and I enjoyed that, that interview. So you guys did a very good job with that interview. I
7: have a question for you. Huh? I have a question for you. you
8: have a question? Boy, yeah, oh, you... let's ask a question right on. What,
7: what kind of chocolate do you like? Dark chocolate or milk chocolate or white chocolate?
8: I like, you know, I, I begin to like dark chocolate. See,
7: I I love I'm to. telling you, these radio people are just so cool. Good for you.
8: Yeah, wait, do you like dark chocolate? Yeah. Yeah. I heard you guys talking about fudge, fudge and stuff. I like hot fudge sundaes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's yeah,
7: That's they're very
8: enjoyable.
7: Tell you about dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, there, only about 15, 10 to fifteen percent of the people in the whole wide world like dark chocolate. So we're very special.
8: Oh boy, yeah, yes we are.
7: Like and that we're very special. Well, I'm, I'm not even finished yet. You're even more special because people who like dark chocolate are sensuous
8: oh <laughs> oh Walden
5: I'm,
8: I'm very special
7: yeah see you like that
5: yeah,
8: I got all excited I know
5: I'm really excited
7: <laughs> thank you rough.
8: I got labeled I know Good, book. yeah
6: I know
7: so bad well now that we've gotten past <laughs> would you like would you like a trivia question
8: Let's try a trivia question just for fun. Yeah,
7: question. I have By to... the way,
8: uh, Patricia, I really am enjoying Judy Canova. You know, she is wonderful.
7: I'm glad. And
8: I got Judy Canova.
7: I am so glad. She, you know, you've got so many likes. You really enjoy a a huge range of radio shows and performers. You really get a lot out of them.
8: Uh, you know what we should? Uh, you, you ever heard a poem? You are, the, is it, you are there. Is it
7: long?
6: You are there. Yeah. You are there. You bet. That's a good program. That's a great program. I
7: may even have some of them. Do I have any of them, You day? should. I, I'm pretty um, sure I have them.
6: Because I, my mom, hacking show. So uh, Jerry gave her uh, 14 CD, seven CD, 14 shows of history about American history.
5: Yeah,
8: that's a good show. It,
6: it's so. a great show.
8: That's some great interviews mm-hmm. with different people and told about their lives and stuff, and it was very informative, yeah. I'll see
7: if I can... You are there. I'll, I'll see if I have them, Ron, and if I do, you've got them. Okay. But
8: well,
6: he, he can't answer a
8: trivia question first. I know, but
7: he'll be good.
8: So yeah, I should answer a trivia question. I know. Yeah, you should ask. Why I answer. The, why don't I answer the question before you ask them? There you go.
7: <laughs> okay. so <laughs> <laughs>
8: okay. no, go ahead, ask me of question.
7: waiting. I'm waiting.
8: Oh, for the answer? <laughs> no, seriously, ask me the question.
7: All right, I've got a whole bunch of questions here. You want a hard one?
8: Yeah, well, let's make it a
7: okay. medium hard. Shibber McGee and Molly had two spin offs. One what? was The Great Gildersleeve. What was the other one? Who what? Spin off. A spin off show?
8: Oh, oh yes, yeah, spin off show.
7: Great Gildersleeve was one. That's right.
8: Uh, wait a minute. I should know the other one. I know. I should, because the great jealousy was one of them. Hey, that's a good question. (laughs) That really is a good question. I know it. What was the other
7: one? Tell me. Oh, now, see, now you're going to get all upset if I don't tell you, huh? Yeah, tell me. All right, the second one was Beulah. That's right. With Marlon Hurt. Beulah. However... She had her own show, right? Right. Uh, it didn't last very long because Marlon died. Who died? Marlon died very shortly after the show began.
8: Oh, yeah. He
7: died very young. Who
8: was like the housekeeper, right?
7: Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. Right, Somebody ball oh, for Beulah. Somebody yeah. ball for Beulah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that one. Okay, so now you have to answer a different question. Let me see here. hmm. <laughs> Don't go away. Let's see. Um, all right, here's another hard one. Which branch of the armed services did Mayor Latrivia join during World War II? Was it the Army? No. I <laughs> see. I think. It, did I give you this one one night and we went through the entire lineup? Go ahead. A- Air Force. No, see, I did do this. All right, I gave you the wrong one. No, it, it was not Army. It was not Air Force.
8: It could be a Coast Guard.
7: Yes! yes. Coast Guard! You've right. done
8: good. You are good.
7: you done good. I, I should good. Put
8: while I'm behind. <laughs> or something.
7: You're behind. All right, so now I have to go out and see if I've got You Are There. That's the one you want? Go so check your, your
8: mailbox. you got some goodies waiting for you.
7: Okay, I would, I have to be – I, I cross my heart. I will be out there tomorrow digging through my mailbox. And Grand Central Station is one of them. Oh, hooray, hooray. And I pulled out the Damon Runyon – we'll, And
8: Walden and I are going to teach you how to love the railroad hour. That's right.
5: Patricia's gonna, gonna, gonna be. You know? We know
6: Patricia loves music, cause she got every single song I played correct tonight. Just been amazing. She
7: loves, she loves music. Look at what, look at the music she recognizes. Oi, oi, this is Gordon McRae really
8: can sing. though. you know, he really is a, he really was a fine singer. That's right. Don't you think, yeah? Absolutely. Patricia, you you like to hear Goodwin Christ he he really how to interpret you know the music yeah um, and
7: I, I just in Oklahoma he was oh, oh, oh,
5: oh. was
7: good yeah. I I will give you that he was wonderful
8: when he sang oh what a beautiful morning and all <laughs> people will say we're in love there's it's a bright golden good. day
7: on the meadow. He's got a voice that came out of his knees. It just rose from below. You're right. Yeah. He was good. He go. was very good. I will allow you that. Anyway,
8: we'll hold and, on. Now. And he retired in the
6: state of Nebraska. Huh? He retired and lived in the state of Nebraska after his show business days.
7: Oh, he retired to the state of Nebraska? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. That's a peculiar place uh, to <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I mean, I don't he, mean that yes, negatively, would, but I mean it's not at the top of the retirement mm-hmm. list. Oh. Was there something special?
6: I don't know, but that's what he tied. Right. I have football. I have uh, football games where I recorded that he was he used to go back and sing the national anthem for him, and retired and passed away there.
7: Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it's beautiful country. There are parts of Kansas and Nebraska and just all of the Midwest states mm-hmm. that are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can have still have privacy there without losing touch with the rest of the world. So, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't make me wonder why he was there. It just isn't the state I would have chosen for a retirement mm-hmm. state. <laughs> yeah. Why not Hawaii?
8: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he retired in Hawaii, now that would have been, you oh, would see lot of people just climbing over him, wanting him to sing him some appearances
7: which could be why he retired to Nebraska
8: there you go
7: yeah
8: <laughs> I hadn't thought about that well you two have a good weekend and Patricia check your mailbox and <laughs> email me let me know how you like what, what we sent
7: ok Ron thank you so much we'll talk to you next week and you guys take care you ok bye bye bye
6: bye there we go
7: and that was Ron from Hawaii you bet our friend, he is just so much fun to talk to. We got good friends. Yep, yep. We have to figure out how to get to Hawaii. The place would never be the same.
6: That's true. We'll make it somehow.
7: I mean, we'll make it, but what are we going to do to the poor state? Well,
6: we'll we'll bring it class and culture.
7: (laughs) No, no, no. Go ahead. Say that again.
6: We'll bring it class and culture.
7: Oh, I'll never make a New Yorker out of you.
6: I know. I'm got the Midwest Class and doing. culture. Class and culture. 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 I don't know if I can get that hard. What? What would you
7: call culture? Like a sneeze. Culture. <laughs> <laughs> culture. See? Culture. I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. Okay, do I it. have some radio slang terms.
6: I have another song for you too.
7: Oh, good. Okay, well you go first. Thank you, you No know, this One.
1: Green Acres is the place to be. Far-living is the life for me. Lands spreading out so far and wide. Cheap Manhattan, just give me that countryside. New York is where
3: I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. The chores. The chores. Fresh air.
0: You are my wife.
6: And you, I, did you know that one?
7: I don't want to answer.
6: Patricia, nine for nine.
7: <laughs> well, then, um, you're giving me ones that have the names in them, so I think that's doubly fair of you.
6: I can give you number ten. All right. I bet Does it you, have the
7: name in
6: it? I bet you know the name of this one.
7: Does it have the name of the of the show in the song? Well, maybe.
9: Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful
0: trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor, and the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. <laughs> The weather started getting rough The tiny ship was tossed If not for the courage of a fearless crew The minnow would be lost The minnow would be lost The ship's aground crowned on the shore Of this uncharted desert isle With
5: Gilligan, the skipper too The millionaire and his wife The movie star, the professor and Maryanne
6: well?
7: Well, it has the name of the show in it.
6: See, it's 10 for 10.
7: 10 for 10. Boy, this is great. <laughs> if I got paid for these, it would be wonderful. <laughs> I don't think this would fly in a college exam. <laughs> I do not well, think.
6: Yeah, well, you never know. I think if we pass it, there might be somebody who gets 10 of these wrong.
7: I do not think.
6: Oh, there has to be.
7: Gilligan's Island. Yes. Who played the millionaire?
6: Oh Jim Backus.
7: Very good. Yeah. Who was his wife?
6: Oh, I don't remember the asterisk name on that.
7: I don't remember anybody.
6: Mm-hmm. But oh, I don't know the, who she the, was. But the creator of Gilligan Island, he also created the Brady Bunch, is Sherwood Schwartz, who's still with us. And he was the Brady Bunch too? M- yep. And he was he was one of Bob Hope comedy writers in radio.
7: I'll be darned. And
6: he's still with he's still very much with us.
7: How about that? Yeah. yeah. Is that one Bob Mills would have included? In oh the yeah,
6: book? yeah he would have included Shirley Schwartz in his book. Yeah.
7: Okay, well I'll have to go back and ferret it out again. Yeah.
6: yeah.
7: All right, I have some radio slang terms. Oh good. All right. Um, let's see. You're
6: saved. You're rescued. Oh, my gosh.
9: Hello, there. Uh, this sounds like a doctored contest to me. Well,
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a little medical help. Hello. Well, I think she's doing really
6: well. I mean, she
7: might not know the
6: answers if we if we, if we didn't play the song.
7: Oh. I think I'm doomed now.
9: Well, uh, no. not really. No. I, I just answered a earth-shaking question that we had weeks ago.
7: What? What was the question?
9: How much does a gallon of milk weigh?
7: Oh, how much does a gallon of milk weigh?
9: Well, according to the Southern Bureau of Standards, it weighs uh, one five-and-a-half-pound frozen possum, one-pound frozen squirrel. A two-pound frozen rabbit, <laughs> and a four-and-a-half-ounce bar of lye
7: uh, All right. Now, all of these together, as an aggregate, make up a gallon of milk?
9: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. That is water. <laughs> 2% milk is one five-and-a-half-pound frozen possum, one one-pound squirrel, one two-pound rabbit, and one six-and-a-half-ounce bar of lye <laughs>
7: Okay. Oh, God. I have, not had,
9: I have not had a chance to weigh whole milk.
7: <laughs> okay. Um,
9: and this, this is direct from the Institute of the, the Bureau of Standards in Fort Possum, North Carolina.
7: Fort Possum, North Carolina. Okay. All right. I will... Um,
9: Listen, you, you, always be sure that's where your answers are coming from. Because there is an unofficial bureau in Fort Skunk, North Carolina. Fort Skunk, okay. Yeah, and and they aren't too accurate. They're, you know, their um, their measurements kind of stay. And if if you go by their measurements, you go find out you've been skunked.
7: I've been skunked. <laughs> yep. Very good. You're good. All right. Now, does this mean when I never mind.
9: Well, we had to use frozen possums, squirrels, and rabbits because our equipment is so sensitive <laughs> that if they breathe, it changes the, the weight. This is a beam balance scale we're using, and uh, and if they breathe, it, it affects the outcome.
7: Because the air does have weight. You're right.
9: Absolutely, it does.
7: Mm.
9: So does a pencil mark. <laughs>
7: um- Mr. hardwood. do you remember why we needed this information?
9: Well, no, not really.
7: <laughs>
9: Neither do I. It just, be, it just seemed to be a big question. It wasn't some time in life.
7: Yeah, well, it was. We had this question. Um, but I don't
9: remember why it came up.
7: I don't either. <laughs> but it was really important when it did. Probably.
9: Okay. Well, according to my weighing, and it, it, it surprised me... Uh, water was 8 pounds, 12 and a half ounces on my scale, and 2% milk was 8 pounds, 14 and a half ounces.
7: Uh-huh. Okay. And I, try, I
9: tried to weigh it without the jug, but I just could not keep it on the scale. <laughs> it almost sounds
6: like Rick and Shade, how they ordered a, um, <laughs> one, uh, underwear. But I know why we did it, because Patricia was talking about carrying all the stuff upstairs.
9: Oh, yeah. And that's,
6: I think, what it, what it came down to.
9: Well, Patricia, yes. it make it, would it make it easier to carry it upstairs if you drank the whole gallon before you started? <laughs>
7: you no, know, I have often thought about stuff like that. You know, if or you, ate
9: all the groceries <laughs> before you started.
7: You know, if you, if you carry a pint of soda up the stairs you can feel the extra weight. If you drank a pint of soda and walked up the stairs, you wouldn't be able to feel the extra weight.
9: I guess it's just distributed better.
7: Yeah, well, I guess. You could be right.
9: I will ponder the the question sometime in the future.
7: Did you really (laughs) weigh water and 2% milk?
9: I certainly did.
7: And there really was a significant difference uh, with...
9: Well, yeah, and I don't... You know, I'd really like to know about whole milk, but I very seldom ever get that. If I ever get another gallon, I'll check it. I don't forget.
7: Well, if you've got 2% milk... No, that wouldn't work. Never mind.
9: No, that don't work out either. I I don't know why the difference.
7: You don't know why the difference between water and milk? Yeah, I don't know.
9: I mean, because that... Two ounces is not really 2% of, of the difference.
7: Yeah.
9: So I, I don't know. No. But, I mean, I knew that milk weighed more than water, but uh-huh. I kind of thought it would be a little more than that.
7: Really? I, I'm surprised it's as much as it was.
9: Okay. Well, anyway, I guess we were both surprised. Yeah. Yeah. But I had always been told it water weighed seven and a half pounds, but I have never weighed it. And I tried weighing an empty container, you know, an empty plastic jug, but it was so light that my scale wouldn't do but a half an ounce and it wouldn't register. So I figured it wasn't significant.
7: Not significant. Okay, so when I haul a couple of gallons of stuff upstairs, it really is heavy.
9: It certainly is.
7: Well, thank you. Do you feel sorry for me?
9: I, I do. That's, that's why I tell you to get one of those uh, luggage things with uh, three wheels on each side. It would help you tremendously. I, but, I mean, they actually work.
7: I bought a watermelon this week.
9: Oh, Lord. <laughs> that is one of the worst things in the world to try to carry.
7: Well, it's up here.
9: Oh, I didn't say it wasn't up there. It's just one of the worst things to try to carry. It's awkward.
7: It's it's awkward, but I've got the some of the fabric reusable grocery bags. Yeah. And
9: now that would help.
7: Yeah, fit right in there. So I kind of bunny hopped it.
9: And of course, the best way to do it, and the easiest way, it's, is to Shanghai neighbor. Is to what? Shanghai neighbor.
7: Hey. Oh yeah, that would be it. well. I I save neighbors for the computers.
9: Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm.
7: I don't want to overdo it, and of course you could eat it before you come upstairs
9: too, I suppose. But yeah, that would take year, a- years and years ago, <clears throat> there was a, a joke about a guy come out of the um, general store and had a like, great big watermelon laying on the on the uh, porch, and two or three little boys standing around there, and he said. No, I'll give any, any one of you a dollar if you could eat that whole watermelon. And one of them said, well, can you wait a few minutes? i run to the house. He said, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'll just, I'll wait. So a little wild boy come back and he said, all right, I'll take your bet. And uh, he ate the whole watermelon, so he paid him. He said, I'm really curious. How come you had to run home before you ate the watermelon? He said, well, I really didn't know if I could do it. But we had one at the house that was about the same size, so I went and tried it for I ate it. <laughs> oh,
7: that's good. That's, that's a good one. You get a point for that one.
9: <clears throat> All right.
7: So what have you been up to?
9: Just the usual stuff. And, uh well, I guess I've mostly have been working on strawberries. We've been freezing strawberries. I don't know how long you have them down there, but we only got about a month and they're gone.
7: Yeah. Our strawberry season is over with.
9: Yeah, our starts roughly about the first of May and runs about till the end of May. And I wanted to get a few more, but I just, I haven't had time.
7: So what are you doing with them? You making preserves?
9: No, we've uh, frozen. And Barbara tried doing some uh, jelly out of the juice, but um, she cooked it too long, and I know she did. It just didn't—you can eat it, but it's more of a heavy syrup than it is a a jelly. So I think she needs to do some more. Oh, and one thing you probably haven't ever had, I know you've had banana pudding, surely. Surely. Okay, have you ever had a strawberry pudding? No. No. Well, you make it the same way you do it in that pudding, except you use strawberries.
7: Well, that sounds reasonable.
9: It's very good.
7: Is it good? Sounds wonderful. Oh, it is. So what are you doing? You know, are you putting all of the strawberries in the freezer? Do what? Are you putting all of the strawberries in the freezer?
9: Well, we had a few of them, but mostly, yes. Um, I do want to get a few more because... Sometimes they're not as good every year, and sometimes I'm not able to do it, and um, that's why I want to get a few more while I can. But um, we've bought eight gallons of them, and I think Barbara Captain cut up and washed a gallon and a half, and I did six and a half gallons of them, and we put 37 and a half pounds in the freezer, I think, so far.
7: Wow. That We'd is
9: like a, a lot of strawberries. Yep, strawberries. Um, we won't eat them all one year, but they last longer than that.
7: Wowzers, wowzers. What do you pack them in?
9: Well, how we do it is I got, you know, great big mixing bowls, ceramic mixing bowls, and I cut, uh, wash them and cut them as I go. Cap, and I don't think she does it that way, but I do. And I just cut them up in these bowls, and when they're about half full, I put a couple of uh, fairly good-sized scoops of sugar in there, and then finish filling it, and you put about two more on it, and put plastic wrap over the top, and then they set overnight in the refrigerator, and they will make syrup. Um, You know, the water and everything.
5: Uh
9: And we usually leave them for about 24 hours, you know, before we get back to them, and She just takes a um, ladle or spoon, you know, a big spoon or whatever with holes in it and dips them out puts them in plastic containers, either 16 or 24-ounce containers, because that's what we got. And uh, you put the lid on them and freeze them. And it worked just fine. (laughs) But I I don't like to freeze them, you know, cap and wash them and all and cut them up and freeze them immediately. Yeah. Um... Because they really need sugar in them. I, I don't like them that, that don't have sugar. They just don't come out as good. And they need time to make the syrup and, you know, kind of distribute it through everything. Um, I just think they're a whole lot better that way. I agree. She's She's got a, her nephew's wife puts up a few and she just, you know, caps them and washes them and puts them straight in on a Ziploc bag and straight in the freezer and don't put nothing on them. And I think it's a waste to get strawberries myself, but, um, you know, it's not my problem.
7: Not your fridge. You don't have to worry about it.
9: Is That's this a right. good
7: strawberry season this year?
9: The what?
7: Is it a good season this year?
9: Excellent. Uh, it's the best I've seen quite a while. In the really? where we would get them. So they have they had, had more than they have ever had this year.
7: Wow. Boy, and you've had some really ugly weather to contend with, too.
9: Yeah, we have, um, but where well, they claim the water level, you know, the rainfall is down, oh, I don't know, three and a half, four inches, something like that, below normal. But I think, if they, really, if they get too much water on them, it kind of ruins them. It washes out the taste and all yeah. that stuff, as far as I'm concerned. But these, these have been excellent.
7: I'm glad for that. The watermelon that I got the other day is super. It gets a high five from me. So I guess we're having a good watermelon season this year again. Yeah, normally,
9: we don't ever see good watermelons until after the first of July. But we've bought three. The last one we got the other day, i say Friday night, I hadn't cut it yet. But the other two, I was really surprised. Things were pretty good. And obviously they were shipped in here. They didn't come from around here. But um, I was really surprised that, that they were really, really good and amazing. Must have been a Florida crop. Well, it had to have been because, you know, they, you don't get watermelons, at least yeah. here in North Carolina, until July. Yeah,
7: this is our watermelon season, so that's probably where they came from. And it, it was, it's a great one. Walden and I were talking about buying watermelons. When you go to buy a watermelon, how do you test it for ripeness and for just right?
9: Well, it don't always hold water, but the one to test it for fresh is to see that the stems are still green, but everybody's cutting the stems off right after the watermelons anymore. I don't even see stems on them anymore.
7: No more stems. Nope.
9: Nope. And, um, I got a feeling they did that on purpose because a lot of people started watching that. And if they leave them on there, then they dry out and people don't want to buy them. A lot of people thump them and everything. We used to sell watermelons when I was a lot younger, but unless they are just about overripe, I don't know that that always answers the question. You can still get fooled, so I don't have a good system.
7: Walden and I are thumpers.
9: Yeah, well, I have too, but it doesn't always work.
7: Howard, I went to Sam's Club last year. you have Sam's Club up there?
9: Oh yeah, that's where we got the first watermelon. The last one we got at one of the grocery stores here. Oh,
7: boy, I don't know where they get their melons from, but I don't think you can buy a bad one in Sam's. Anyway- um,
9: I have, but it wasn't this year.
7: They, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things all over the place. And I went to one bin and I was something, the watermelons, you know, knock, 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 is anybody home? And, um, oh, maybe 30 seconds later, after apparently watching me, some guy comes up to my side and he says, what are you doing?
9: (laughs) "Um, You mean he never heard of that?
7: I guess not. So I told him what I was doing and what I was listening for. So now the two of us are there thumping on watermelons. And And
9: he didn't have a clue why?
7: He did not until I told him. And... While we're both there, a lady comes up, and she starts knocking. She says, what am I looking for?
9: <laughs> should have told her to see if somebody knocked back.
7: Yeah, right, right. But that poor guy, he was just so cute. He said, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like I had lost it. But So that's my system, and I know Walden is a thumper, too. Walden, yeah. are you a thumper?
6: You bet. That's just the way I was raised.
9: Thump, thump. Yeah, I just can't believe people wouldn't know. <laughs> why you
7: dump watermelons. I
9: don't, I don't know. You don't ever see it anymore, and, and I, I don't blame people who complain. But when I was a kid, yeah, a lot of people want to plug a watermelon.
6: Oh yeah, well, I've been
9: oh, nice,
6: nice I I've been in Boy Scout summer camp. That's what they do the last day. They, they, they throw a watermelon in front of two, in the pool swimming pool, and it floats. And you have a tug of war. It's trying to get the watermelon to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And it floats.
7: So, were you, were you talking about plugging a watermelon? Is yeah, that what you said, well, I, I was, but that
9: Walden's not.
6: No, I'm talking about floating. Yeah.
7: No, you, you're talking, uh, taking a, a core sample out of... You're right, mm-hmm. exactly. Right.
9: But, you know, when I was a kid, my daddy had a half of a huge wooden barrel. I mean, this thing must have been five feet across, you know, in diameter. It was a barrel sawed in two. Um you know, crossways, so you had a... Um, the diameter was greater than the height at this point. Mm. Okay. After it was, after it was cut. <laughs> and um, as I said, we sold watermelons. We had this big wagon he had built that we pulled out during the day. It had a sign, had a roof over it for shade and keep the rain off. It had a sign on the engine she said ice cold watermelons. Well mm-hmm. we didn't have no cooler or nothing to, to cool those watermelons. So what he did was took it... Um, barrel and filled it up with water and we would buy 50 pound blocks of ice and put in there and then you float the watermelons and they would get cold mm-hmm. of course they, they would all be at the top and you'd have several there and you know whoever pick out one they wanted and you take it out and then you know, when you get two or three out oats you put it into their more. and so you didn't have to have the whole barrel full because like i said the, the watermelons will float and no matter how big the barrel is, it's still gonna float, so, um, you just had a lot of cold water to, to get them cold.
6: I know out here, what they're doing, on some cases, they are cutting the watermelons in half. And then covering them oh, with... Oh yeah, and, and, and around
9: it, here I've even seen them selling them by And,
6: and, and cover them with plastic, so you can see what it looks in the inside.
9: Right. Then you can buy well, it. Well, too, I think it's, it's another racket to get more money out of the watermelon ah uh-huh. You know, you'll pay a whole lot more for a slice of watermelon because it don't seem like
5: much.
9: Uh huh. But you're not getting much either. You mm-hmm. just don't realize it. Yep. So you know, you get a lot of mileage out of a whole
5: watermelon.
6: hmm. I was thinking about you know we we're talking about strawberries. Uh, we were, my mom worked for the Irvine Company, which was with the major agriculture parts in my my country. And they would allow us, they would allow the employee and the family after the crop to go pick. So, every year, we could go pick strawberries. And we had so much strawberries that mom got to the cycle of you know, cleaning them, eating one and putting one away, and she broke out in rash one year. You know, so... Well, some people are
9: allergic to them, yeah. thank goodness, that's my
6: problem. And another thing... At I'm not, you know. And another thing our family used to do, we used to go husk our own corn. And I, you know, there's nothing like fresh corn it's one oh, yeah. the best places in the world. It's just
9: Yeah, unbelievable. I know call it shucking corn.
5: Yeah.
9: yeah.
7: Well, I have a question for you, sir, in my Wait education.
9: I, I, I will go to that. I know you're needing to get to it. But <laughs> since we're talking about shucking corn...
7: I know. I know what corn. shucking is.
9: I, I know that.
7: Oh, I, I just want it, you to be it, proud it, of it, me. There's
9: a term there that's unrelated yeah? If you, tell, if you tell me some way I left field, one of the proper responses is, are you shucking me?
7: Well, that sounds reasonable. I like <laughs> that one.
9: Okay. I like that one. Do, no.
6: people, do people know how you pick corn, though? The technique of doing it?
9: Well, I know how we always did it. How do you do it? We never had a, a corn pick or anything like that, because we never had enough for anything like right. that. But we just grab it at the top and pull it straight down.
6: Yeah, what I've seen it done, the way my dad taught me from the from the Midwest, it's a tr- it's a twist of the wrist. So you grab uh, yeah, it. Yeah, you do that. At, at least as, I, I never thought it down,
9: about yeah. that, but mm-hmm. when we'd pull it down, you mm-hmm. just give it a partial twist, yep. and it would come loose. Right. But it was pretty much kind of, well, I guess it was done in an arc as you pulled it down. Yeah, I guess so. You you to actually have a your wrist would twist automatically. Right. I never thought about it that way. But that's
6: how we were taught, to grab, twist, and move. And that's how you really corn really
9: Well, I bet you've never done this, mm-hmm. and I never thought about it.
5: Yeah.
9: But Barbara was talking about, you know, when she was a kid, they didn't have any money much, and it was just her and her daddy and her mother. And they were traveling somewhere, they'd go on trips and things, you know, and of course they didn't have money to stay at a hotel or a motel or whatever, mm-hmm. so um, they would use to sleep on quilts under the truck. Wow. Well, to eat, they would stop at a store somewhere. And buy food and and cook it on an open fire, or it was something you know you could eat right out of the can.
5: <clears throat>
9: and one of the times she was talking about, her dad had stopped at a little small store and went and bought several cans of uh, of uh, pinto beans. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not pinto beans, pork and beans, mm-hmm. and a box of crackers. And I forgot what else. Well, then they got on down the road and placed to pull off to stop me and he'd forgot to buy any. Back then, it was mostly what you'd see as wooden spoons like you'd get with uh, small cups of ice cream. Mm. I probably never saw a wooden spoon like that, but Mm -hmm. it was just a a flat piece of wood. It Mm -hmm. really wasn't a spoon per se,
5: but,
9: you know, it's better than nothing. Well, anyway, he forgot to get anything. Mm -hmm. So, there was a cornfield right there beside where they were, so he just went out in the cornfield. And... um, Pulled off an air corn and pulled the shucks off of it <clears throat> and picked a, uh, you know, three fairly stiff ones down near the bottom and they were cupped. Hmm. You know, where they'd wrap around the base of the air of corn. You're right. And took his knife and cut them and made spoons out of them and that's how they ate.
6: Wow. So yep.
9: I guess as long as it works, that's you what
7: bet. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Now I'm ready for your question or whatever.
7: It's a question. We have a term here, and I don't know where the term came from, if it's southern or if it's just weird, but we have a lot of farms here. This is a big farming territory, and after the crops are harvested, they allow the workers to go back in and glean whatever is left. You know, sometimes things are too ripe. They're perfect for eating right now, but they would never... You know, they'd suffer when you go through right. the packing houses. So they go in and they collect the vegetables, and then they go out and sell them, like from the backs of their pickup trucks or, you know, and it really is a, a, an intimate operation, for lack of a better word. But they call these people pin hookers. Huh. And I have no idea where the term came from. Have you ever heard it before?
9: No, I haven't. Uh, spell your first word. I'm not hearing it well. P as in?
7: P as in Patricia, I-N-H-O-O-K-E-R. I got the
9: hooker part of it, but the pen I didn't get. I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) I'm not going to speculate on any of this.
7: Okay. Oh, you are good. You are good. I have never I had never heard the term before I came here. And I never lived in farm country either, so
9: Well, I have and I have never heard it here. Uh, it must be a local thing. I'll bet you I'll bet you won't find it in the dictionary either.
7: Um no that's really interesting. You two guys keep talking and I'll let you know what I find.
6: And Hollywood, what do, you, what do you think coming up here the next week or two for you? Any, any upcoming projects? What what's coming down the pipe?
9: Yeah, just work, I guess.
5: Uh-huh.
9: <clears throat> I got to go back to the doctor about my back and let them decide whether they did any good or not. Mm. And they only half did good, but we'll see what goes next. And I got to go kind of to over this week. We got to look at a sewing machine, a new sewing machine, and make sure it works properly before we pay them for it.
6: um, Actually, I wonder, that's sort of a lost art. I wonder how many people actually do their own sewing anymore.
9: I don't know about that, but I mean, you know, we're using it for sewing canvas for other people. We're not making clothes. Yeah. Um, you don't see a whole lot of people that does sew anymore.
6: No. Or at least I don't. It's sort of a lost art. Yeah, I think
9: it's fast getting that way. Mm -hmm.
6: So hot the water down there? Is it going to get pretty hot and humid pretty quick, or what do you think?
9: Well, uh, it's starting to warm up mm-hmm. about time, as far as I'm concerned. But mm-hmm. um, it was 83 yesterday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 88 to 90 today, they say. I don't know if it will. But um, anyway, the mosquitoes are out. I know we were out there working last night trying to fit finish sewing some barrier panels, and um, I think it was about 20 minutes to 11 when we got down and we had to turn a fan on to try to keep mosquitoes off of us, so, so the you, building is, is just partially enclosed where okay. we're and um, so,
6: so you guys have mosquito problems normally, or in case, you know, out here we have a oh yeah.
9: Empty. yeah. And I really don't know why we don't have water standing around here or anything like that. The only thing that I can figure, the main building has a flat roof. Mm-hmm. And it does retain an awful lot of water, although it's sloped to some extent, but it's still ponds up there, and I can't figure out where else they could be coming from. Because, you know, we don't have containers of water standing yeah. around or anything like that. But anyway, we've got mosquitoes.
6: Yeah, that's one thing about, we don't have bug problems here, because we got such a good abatement program to get rid of them. You know, we don't have that trouble. And it's just...
9: I don't know how in the world you can get rid of all of them. I
6: right? have no idea, but we just, you know, when, but when I go to an area like in the Midwest, then, and then I, I can get eaten alive, you know, f- from mosquitoes. But well,
9: what I can't stand is Cander, North Carolina, or the Kander area mm-hmm. is, oh, I don't know, probably 100 miles or so due south of here, and that's where the major peach orchards are. Yeah. And gnats, oh, Lord, I can't stand that. Mm. Those things, they just all in your eyes, and you just cannot get rid of them. But mm-hmm. used to live down there when she was little and she touched her eyes were infected all the time because of those things. I just, um, you know, I've been through there and stopped and got peaches and stuff like that. Yeah. But trying to live down there, man, you forget it.
6: For those of you who may or may not know, one way to make sure to get rid of mosquitoes, is to make sure you take vit- vitamin B12. That, well I do. And that, and that sort of helps the mosquito problems, because they just don't like that in your skin.
9: Well I guess they weren't bothering me as much as they were bothered Barbara mm-hmm. last night, but they still were getting on me and I do take B12. Yeah. It's just one tablet a day and I don't know what's in it, you know, how
6: much is in it. Right. And I guess we lost Patricia. I was a
9: pretty big fan, and we got here. that on us. As long as you were in the mainstream from the fan,
5: mm-hmm.
9: pretty well took care of it. But, you know, the, the cutting table is five feet wide and 16 feet long, and the fan was at the side of it, mm. and the sewing machine was at one end of it. So you kind of aim it toward the sewing machine end. Mm-hmm. So you're only getting half of the table. So if you have to go down to the other half of the table pulling, you she's sewing down the table behind the machine,
5: mm-hmm.
9: then you get out of the stream and fan,
6: then that's when they jump on you. Mm. You got much of a bug farm in Florida, Patricia? Not anymore. Yeah, they, they
7: have them by the truck Not right here.
9: down there. Yeah, and then
7: in the heavily populated areas, no, mm. but in the, um, in the swamps and the, the Marshlands, <laughs> we will call them marshlands, and the Everglades. It, uh, yes, they come in blankets.
9: Do you have a pet palmetto bug? No.
7: <laughs> the thundering hoofs of the palmetto bugs? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do not. I do not have a thunder. <laughs> no pet palmetto bugs.
9: Okay. That ain't what we call them up here, but nevertheless.
7: What do you call them up there? Roaches. Well, I mean, they're just giant roaches.
9: That's exactly what they are.
7: They're huge. They're enormous. But they're easier to get rid of.
9: Oh, a big hammer?
7: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I found about a pin hooker relates to racing. That's what I have found so far. And it talks about buying and selling a horse quickly. So that... Would relate to the uh, the farm produce as well.
9: So, okay. Do a better job. I'll. Well, no, you know, I guess it would. Have quick turnover.
7: Uh-huh. Quick, uh huh.
9: Quick, yeah. Or you're stuck.
7: Yeah. Yeah, because it's all um, ripe and ready vegetables yeah. and uh, and fruits that they're talking about. So it would be a fast turnover. It's got zero shelf life. So whatever they pick, they have to sell right away.
9: Yeah. Well, I guess that, that term would apply, because that's what they're doing with a horse, is turning it mm-hmm. over quickly.
7: All right. So now we have an education tonight. There will be a test yeah. next There will be a test next week. Okay. I have to tell you, to tell you how many frozen possums and rabbits and Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to tell me what a pin hooker is. All right. Okay. The whole
9: word. Well, that's... Absolutely. I, I've contributed all I can contribute for one night, and I'm sure it's better me to leave, and I'll go. Would
7: you like a question?
9: Would I like what?
7: Would you like a question?
9: Yeah, I'll try one.
7: All right. Let's see what we got here. Mm. What was the name of the Lone Ranger's nephew? Dan Reed. Oh I can't catch you.
9: Yes you can sometimes.
7: Not very often. And and when I catch you it's because I've gotten you when you've just awakened. Not because you that. don't know the answer, it's that's, because you can't recall true. it right away.
9: All right. Well that's you did get right. me on Say what? The lo- you did get me on the Lone Ranger's previous horse and I was totally out there freeze on that one, because I had, did not have a clue about
7: that one. Nobody did. I found it by accident by listening to the show. I didn't know it was a different, I didn't know he had a different horse.
9: But it was only oh, because I listened I to the show. I knew that, but I'd never heard a name that I realized I had heard one. Now, uh-huh. I may have, but it just did not register.
7: Uh huh. Well, it was kind of a dumb horse for a ranger, a horse's name for a ranger.
9: I well,
7: mean, dusty, yeah. You know, I mean, dusty is, is, is as exciting as tissue paper.
9: Well, it may be, but um, if you stop and think about it, there's been an awful lot of dumb named animals in this world. <laughs> Agreed. Of uh, whatever variety. But, you know, they do some of the oddest things. Number one. An injured horse, or whatever it may be, just because you help them isn't, you know, a wild one, I mean, Uh is not going to become your best buddy and stay with you. That doesn't (laughs) happen.
7: Nope, does not happen.
9: And the other thing that I thought, so I've only heard it in one Lone Ranger series, but some outlaws caught Silver and locked him up in a barn to try to get the Lone Ranger to come after him. Well, they didn't know whose horse they had. Um, and one of them made a comment to the boss that that horse has got silver shoes on. I'd never heard that before, but silver is soft. Uh-huh. Horseshoes are forged uh-huh. very hard or they wouldn't let it stay on them a week. And I've drilled horseshoes uh, in the milling machine, you know, drilled holes in them to mount them on the lawn. And you know, they're not impossible to drill, but you can tell they're harder than most stuff is because they're forged, and you forge them to make them last. Mm-hmm. So there is no way a horse is gonna have silver shoes. But I guess that impressed a lot of little kids It
7: it surely did. About a year ago, we had a discussion about silver horseshoes for silver, the horse, and oh my gosh, and Walden, we found, or I found, a show, at least one show, that had the silver horseshoes in it. Right.
6: Well, I know why it worked for him. Okay. He was light on his feet.
9: (laughs) All right. (laughs)
7: What do you think we should do to him?
9: (laughs) Well, I think he probably laid a lot of styrofoam (laughs) (laughs) himself.
7: Rode a styrofoam horse. This is good. This is good.
6: That's right. I think we had a major discussion we even had on the Internet. It was over a year ago about the the silver horseshoes. Yep.
9: Yeah, Yeah, I was not in on that, obviously. uh, I don't know. The things like that seem to jump out at me. Mm Mm-hmm.
7: And, they jumped out at us, too. That's what we've to had the
9: discussion us. before about guns, and I guess the average person doesn't know, but at least the people that do, one of the glaring things is Glock pistols do not have safeties.
5: Hmm.
9: And it's because of the way they're made. The only way they're going to fire is if the triggers is cool. You can't fire one by dropping it or hitting it or anything like that. And I don't fully understand the mechanism, but I know that for a fact. So there is no safety. Now, I understand the average person probably doesn't know that. But your better writers should know it. And the last one I ran into was about a week ago, and of all people, was Jack Higgins. He is a famous writer. And he's very good at what he does, but he sure screwed up on that one. And some others have done the same thing, and I just, it's a poor research or something, but um, it keeps coming up over and over again. I've I've noticed it from several authors that ought to know better. But there's always something like that, and it just, I don't know why. I'm not necessarily looking for it, but it It just seems to jump out at you. I was doing
7: some writing coaching with someone a bunch of years ago who was, developing what he called a novel. And I looked and I said, there's no such thing as a 49 caliber gun. He so said, there isn't? No. He said, well, I can have one. Do so you want people to... No,
9: it don't, it don't work like that.
7: No, that's what I he said. He couldn't it, it's, have one. Said, well, it, it's a novel, said, right? <laughs> and yeah. part of having a good novel is to build a believable story. Nobody's gonna exactly. believe there's a forty nine caliber gun out there. And you asked kind of, if it
9: was a novel or a fantasy Yeah. a kid fantasy story.
7: Well you've never read a book about that had a forty nine caliber gun in it. So I, you know how I, far I it, it went
9: there ain't one.
7: Ain't one. I wonder though, actually
6: Hollywood got me thinking. And I know it's true. Uh sports fans love to watch sports movies to see the mistakes. I want to do some famous novels, people who really love that they can find the errors in them. Oh, sure. You know, that'd probably be an interesting game. Oh, sure. Yeah.
9: Oh, there, there's because of them. It's just incredible Yeah. Uh, how many you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, glaring mistakes that they have made that I really can't see the excuse for it. There again, like the guns and a 49 caliber gun. Well, why didn't a guy do a little research before he did something stupid like that? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wasn't bright enough to know. So he should have checked on it.
7: It was his book, so he could do anything he wanted. That's well, yeah,
9: but it—they it, never stopped to think. It makes you look awful stupid, doesn't
7: yep. it? So you pay me for my opinion. It's your business whether or not you take it.
9: Well, it's. We've got a saying around here, or at least I have a favorite one, and it what it is, is it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt.
7: <laughs> and remove
9: all doubt, right. <laughs> well,
7: it's that reverse saying.
9: The thing saying. of it is, usually the people you tell that, trying to give them a hint, don't get it. They mm-hmm. don't
7: get it? Of course not. If they need it, they wouldn't understand it.
9: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
7: I don't know. Can I send you something? What would you like?
9: Um, well, you were talking to Ron. Apparently, you do have some Judy Canova.
7: I do have some Judy Canovas. I
9: would love to have those.
7: You may have Judy Canova.
9: That would be fine. Okay. And I do appreciate the package, and I will still be glad to pay.
7: Please. No, nope. it's... um. It was a pleasure to be able to find a home for it, because it's a brand new piece of equipment and, and I couldn't use it, so I'm just delighted that you're able to.
9: Well, I should be able to. i got to wait for the guy to show up and we're going to try it out. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was not damaged in shipment that I can tell. Oh, so. no, it
7: should have been okay.
9: It, should, it, it was, as far as I can see.
7: It got and wrapped I, in paper because it's the only box that it fits comfortably in was one of the priority mail um, post office boxes. Right. It was the perfect, and I wasn't about to ship it priority, because they Oh gosh, no. They charge you your firstborn for those boxes. <laughs> yeah,
9: that would have been ridiculous. But so it, it it, you did perfect. fine with it, and it was packaged well. And yeah, it was the perfect
7: size, so I just put paper on the outside. <laughs> and said, I'm surprised
9: it. they took it that way. They
7: did take it. I was surprised. You know, I know sometimes oh, they're a little punky about having a muck's
9: and you don't see people putting string around them anymore. That is a very rare thing, but I don't think they'll take that at all anymore. No, they won't. But they used won't. to, that was how you had to do it.
7: That's right. And they I were. Yes, uh, they
9: didn't have all these automated machines back then.
7: I guess there were times when you had to wrap them in paper as well. They wouldn't take anything. Oh, yeah. That might...
9: You had to wrap it in paper and put string around it. Uh huh. I remember that quite well. We all have fun.
7: Well,. I'll and
9: uh, the next time the discussion comes up, you can be the smartest one in the bunch, knowing how much a gallon of milk weighs.
7: Uh, I have counted count up how many possums and rabbits and squirrels, right?
9: Well, yeah, you can do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to lie so, because you have to make it out with that.
7: <laughs> I do. Thank you, sir. You have a great night and have a good week. You, too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
9: Bye-bye.
6: That was something else.
7: (laughs) I don't want to say it. I can't say it out loud. (laughs) I can't say it out loud.
6: Seven one four five four five two o seven one. We're up and about five thirty in the morning, East Coast time. We still have time for you.
7: He 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 forgot the pin.
6: I know. Seven one four five four five. Two oh seven one. Nolan one where are you. You are hiding from my shadow. No, I'm weeks. really
7: getting concerned. Although I got an email from him, one of the automatic dealies. I don't know if it was Facebook or LinkedIn or mm-hmm. something like that. So I know he's out there. I we know you're out there, Nolan. Pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I have some radio slang terms.
6: All right.
7: And you're going to. To Uh, say, what? Okay, the word stiff. What does the word stiff refer to?
6: Well, it means somebody who had a few extra drinks. (laughs)
7: No, this is in radio terms.
6: (laughs) Well, that's how I always thought about it.
7: Well, it's true, but it's not... (laughs) No, it means something in radio terms.
6: I don't know, Patricia.
7: It says, according to this, anyway, stiff is a terrible joke. It has no laughter, only silence.
6: I've never heard it.
7: I never did either. Yeah. That's oh, well. Why I'm, that's why I'm giving them to you.
6: Yeah, well, I see, you're helping my education.
7: Okay, now, an adenoid terror. T-E-R-R-O-R, like terrifying. Yeah. Adenoid terror.
6: I have no the hiccups. Yeah.
7: <laughs> That sounds good to me. Yeah. A tenor with the pinched voice typical of someone with enlarged adenoids.
6: Oh, I think you could nominate a few people on, that, on your list. Judy Canova. But she can sing not
7: beautifully.
6: A tenor, but... Yeah, but she, she's a soprano. Yeah, a tenor.
7: I was thinking of... When, the, she, when she did her cowboy girl and cowgirls. Uh-huh.
6: By, but when she sings beautifully, she can oh do... Oh, my
7: gosh, what a voice that woman had. But,
6: uh, but I was thinking of the King's Men and your in your nomination class. Oh. Mm. Yeah.
7: Awful stuff. Awful stuff. I mean, somebody needed to put a leash on him, or a, a close pen on his nose, mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> okay, a belcher. What's a belcher?
6: Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's in Patricia's, uh, vernacular, that's Elsa, Mil- Elsa, Mer- Elsa Merman.
7: Ethel Merman. Yes, it okay. was
6: a bilcher. <laughs> Somebody that was belt out all over.
7: A belcher, B-E-L-C-H-E-R, which is frequently a word used as a burp. A belcher. Oh,
6: yeah, okay. I was thinking of somebody that belts out a song with a belcher. Okay, that would
7: be B-E-L-T. Okay. Belt out a song, and you're Mm, right, that mm -hmm. would be Ethel Merman. Yeah. But a belcher.
6: Belcher, a burper, huh? Okay.
7: A performer with a frog in his throat.
6: Er, uh, uh. Uh-huh. And what's that called? A belcher. Uh-huh.
7: I, I, I mean, that's what it says. A performer with uh-huh. a frog in the throat. Well,
6: you know, I you mean... You get a little tickle and a... kind of... Well, Smiley Ed. Yeah. And it Buster the brown gang. He did well with his frog in his throat when he had Froggy the Green One.
5: Yeah. I. 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 Yeah, kids. Okay.
7: Um, Lady Macbeth.
6: Well, of course, from, uh... William Shakespeare, but I don't know what that would mean radio terms. I have no idea.
7: An aging... I have never heard this word before. Tragedian. Tragedian, like a tragedy actress. An aging, tragedy actress.
6: Huh. I had no idea about that. Okay.
7: I'm avoiding. A nervous baritone.
6: A nervous baritone? I don't know the section an animal. I have no idea what what they call them.
7: These are like nicknames for these people. Yeah, I have no idea. An overdramatic baritone.
5: Huh. Okay.
7: we got, um... What else do we have here? we got something for you. An old sexton. Sexton? Yeah, but I can't pronounce the name anyway. It, it's a sexton, S-E-X-T-O-N.
6: Like a musical instrument? instrument.
7: A, a church official, or like
6: a oh oh okay minister. okay yeah okay
7: okay it's supposed to be a bass with a deep sepulchral voice
6: wow in a
7: sepulchral like a, a tomb yeah sep I, a can't, I never could pronounce that word okay sepulchre sepulchre yes it's that yes one. sepulchre uh-huh. yeah that's it that's it you're good you're Thanks. good you're good Town crier.
6: Oh, town crier, whatever the, the radio call, radio show called The Town Crier by um, Alexander Wolcott. Ah.
7: Well, the town crier was the person who used to go through the town and say 10 o'clock all is yep. well. Yep, Or sing out the news if there was uh, an emergency, something.
5: Harry, Harry, Harry. Yeah,
7: yeah, that's the town crier. Yep, yep. A town crier in radio was a vocalist who sang too loud.
6: No kidding. How
7: about that? Boy, Why didn't they just say she sang too loud?
6: I have no idea. I don't even know any of these terms. I don't even know I've never said heard them. any of yeah. these
7: before. None.
6: I haven't either. And Patricia? Yes? You and I are in show business, so we, if we haven't heard them, then they're really obscure.
7: Yeah, I'm, and I'm still a little kid and I'm still learning. So. Yeah,
6: well, I, I, I am too.
7: Yeah, you're a little kid, but you're not still learning. You're teaching.
6: Oh, well.
7: And that's the truth. Okay, are we going to hear from Nolan, do you think?
6: He, maybe maybe he changed the sweeping pattern just sweeping, sweeping to us. I don't know. What? I don't know.
7: Put the coffee on. We haven't had coffee for a week. Mm-mm. Well...
6: May's looking for bloopers and spending the whole time looking for bloopers and not tuning us in. Oh, the poor
7: guy. Yeah. Mm, he's so good. Well, would you like to do... A Fibber McGee and Molly show. I think we should so do it. Like
6: that's what it. we're known. That's what you and I are known for.
7: For Fibber McGee and Molly? I think so. Well, we can do a Fibber McGee and Molly show. Let's do it. Are we ready? Let's do it. All right. This is McGee the magician, and I love this show. It really <laughs> is a good show. It's from June twelfth, nineteen forty-five. Fibber is practicing magic tricks with the help of a book. And his loving wife. (laughs) He's going to prepare for the Elks Smoker. Mm -hmm. Now, before we we go to the show, I looked up Smoker. I had to find out what that was. Mm -hmm. So he's preparing for the Elks Club Smoker. He, He may have the support of Molly, but not the entertainment committee who didn't want him to be the magician. And he, Fibber said, but I just told him I had to do it. And they begged me not to come, but I told them I would do it. <laughs> Good old Fibber. Doc Gamble pokes his regular fun, of course, at Fibber's efforts. And Fibber bets him $2 that he can escape from being chained up with a padlock. Mm. So Doc chains him up and snaps the padlock. <laughs> <laughs> Fibber is due at the Elks Club Smoker at eight o'clock and it is past eight o'clock and (laughs) it's still in the chains. Oh, great show. We've got a really good show here. But I did I did it took a little bit of squirreling around, Mm -hmm. but I did find out what a smoker was and it it was an honest to goodness thing. Mm -hmm. I found it in the history of one of the uh, old Elks clubs in some far flung state, I don't even know what it was. Uh But A smoker is a social gathering after the club's regular meeting, and it often included entertainment. And they called it the smokers or a smoker because the men would gather usually in a banquet room and enjoy cigars. And that would be their socializing time would be a time, if they had entertainment, they would have it, and they used it as an opportunity to socialize with prospective members. Wow. So there really was an honest-to-goodness thing called a smoker. Wow. In, in these clubs. So I want you to be proud of me that I looked all of this up.
6: We love you, Patricia, for doing that.
7: Oh, uh, I'm so... Oh, no, you're lovable.
6: You're adorable. Ador- I'm so adorable yeah,
7: for doing yeah, this. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. So I had three questions. Do you think anybody's going to stick with the show with us?
6: I think we'd better try and stick them out, though.
7: Okay, so if you get the answers to the show, mm-hmm. I have three questions. All I need is one correct answer, and if you have an answer, send it to me at floridawriter at hotmail.com. And the questions are, you only have to get one, what magic trick did Fibber bet Doc Gamble he could do? Second one, who unlocked the padlock that held Fibber's <laughs> chains? And three, whose watch did Fibber use for one of his tricks? So if you've got an answer to one of those by the time you finish the show, you send me an email at floridawriter at hotmail.com. And we are finished already for another weekend. Hooray for
5: Hollywood. Oh,
7: my goodness. Now, next week we're going to be late, right? Right. Okay, big. Close to 12.30? Uh
6: Uh-huh. 12.15,
7: 12.30. Yeah. Mm
6: Mm-hmm. Do I need to wake you up in time for the show?
7: Yeah, you could do that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Around 12.30 is for next week. We will be here. We'll be late, but we will be here. All of you have a safe week. Anyone who is dealing with the awful weather patterns, please be safe. Yes. We're all thinking of you, and we'll be here next week.
6: And this weekend will be Memorial Day weekend.
7: Oh, That's right. So we'll Ooh, be... have to go squirreling around yeah. and find a special
6: show. So we'll be kicking off summer pretty soon.
7: Yeah, we will. Uh-huh. And pretty soon is Walden's Christmas in July. bum bing We are finished. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good
6: night, my dear. Here we go.
7: You have a good week, Walden.
6: You too, Patricia. Thanks.
0: Tap from retap date re tab to read a subject re tab attachment enter mail a open button enter attachment list The Johnson Wax program with Fibra McGee and Molly of Johnson Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. remember when your kitchen linoleum was brand new? You probably got a big thrill out of it and you decided that you were certainly going to take good care of it. Well, have you? Does it still look almost new? It would if you'd begun right away to protect it with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Because when you apply glow coat to linoleum, you're putting down a tough shield that protects the finish against wear and dirt and moisture. The thin invisible film of glow coat itself takes the wear and the surface underneath is safe. That's why the regular use of glow coat makes linoleum last much longer, besides keeping it sparkling and beautiful. Glow coat is easy to use because it needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. Conservation begins at home. In fact, it begins in your own kitchen, the very first time you use Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Whoever said the hand is quicker than the eye never saw the squire of 79 for Vista practicing sleight of hand. Get a load of the old butterfingers right now. <laughs> With a book of magic, a deck of cards, and ten thumbs as we meet Phil them McGee and Molly.
3: Do that last trick again, McGee. That was very good. what did I do? Made a card jump out of the deck into the cup of your pants.
2: Oh, so that's where that other card went. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been looking all over for it.
3: Here, let me try this one. Here, take a card. Any card. All right. I'll take this one.
2: It's the Ten of Diamonds.
3: Oh, well, heavenly days. That's wonderful, dearie. <laughs> Just
2: a simple feat, my dear. The answer is quite amusing when you're able it. Oh, dear.
3: Here, I'll help you pick them up. They're all over... Say, I know how you did that trick huh? They're all Lieutenant Diamonds oh.
2: <laughs> You'd have never knew if I hadn't have dropped them
3: I like the trick better, though Where you made the glass of water disappear hmm? You know, when the rubber band pulls it up your sleeve
2: Hey, how'd you know it went up my sleeve?
3: I saw it go Besides, your sleeve leaked for 15 minutes afterwards <laughs>
2: Now, I need a little more practice on that one
3: What on earth is this all about, McGee? I'm
2: doing a magic act at the Elk Smoker tonight
3: Why, you never did any magic before Ah, Isn't the time a little short to learn a magic routine? No,
2: not for anybody with my natural dexterity. And after my years in vaudeville, I got a great line of patter to cover up any mistakes I make.
3: Well, (laughs) I think it was mean of the entertainment committee, to ask you to do this with so little time to prepare, though. Oh, they didn't ask me. I
2: volunteered. In fact, they begged me not to do it. (laughs) (laughs) They says it takes years for anybody to get to be a good magician. And I says, yes, for the average ham-handed officers, but not for me, I says. (laughs) (laughs) Give me half a day to practice this says, And I'll make your eyes bug out so far It'll take a truant officer to round up your pupils
3: (laughs) What did they say if it's fit for a lady's ears?
2: (laughs) Well, sir, I showed them one simple little feat Of ledger domain that stopped them right in their tracks Really? Took a half a dollar, see? Made a pass over and whammo, no half a dollar (laughs) Had them completely baffled Where did it go? I'm darn I (laughs) know. I've been looking for it ever since I got home but it takes a pretty smooth magician to prove even himself, you'll admit that
3: What tricks are you going to do tonight, dearie? <laughs> well, the
2: way I got my routine laid out is like this here First I do a few simple stuff with coins Yeah. Then I'll do some rope tricks, cut a rope in five places and restore it
3: For goodness sakes, can you really do that?
2: Well, Natch, it's right here in the book <laughs> I just read it over once and I can do it like a mice Here, I'll take this piece of rope, you see, absolutely undamaged Examine it, please.
3: I find it completely undamaged, Professor. Mm, Exactly. Now then. Mr. McGee, hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Alice. Have a chair while the mighty, mystic McGee mystifies, amazes, and instructs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get a load of this, kid. I'm practicing my magic act for the Elk Smoker tonight. It's through a trapdoor, see? But some dirty bum had moved a table over it, and he couldn't get
3: out. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Daisy might have been smothered.
1: (laughs) This is the Broadcasting Company.
3: Good night, Al.
6: Hi everybody, and may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you, and this is Yesterday USA.
4: Love y'all. It's time to call it a day, they've burst your pretty balloon, and taken the moon away, it's time to walk. The masquerade Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him The party's over It's all over It's all over Couldn't have possibly thought about me. Could he? Could he? The man who invented love must have been thinking of someone who should know cope with this Someone who would not be a dog Must have been thinking of some other girls But why can't that girl be
6: He was on the year until '67 Was his show.
9: I have
7: a collection of monitor shows.
5: Monitor?